I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In fact, I think I I think maybe last episode was officially this, but uh, we, this, we this is like our sixth anniversary. Uh, it might have been actually during the last episode. I forgot to mention it, but either this one or that one. Sixth anniversary. Happy anniversary, love. Of the movie lovers. And this episode is a film faves episode, sort of. <laughs> what uh, film faves typically is, is our segment where we count down typically 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. Uh, the idea is to give you an idea of our taste in movies, a uh, sense of the, that taste, but also hopefully expose you to titles that you haven't heard of or maybe have heard of and haven't caught up with. And to that end, we will point you in the direction of where you can find those on certain streaming services. The ones we typically focus on are Amazon Prime. HBO Max, Hulu, Disney Plus, Netflix, and I think that's it, yeah? Nothing fell through the cracks there? Paramount? No, we don't do Paramount. We don't do Peacock. Um, We pay for Paramount. We are now adding Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So says Shanna. So here's the thing, though. Usually it is film faves but we are breaking that for the next couple episodes of this segment this time we are focusing on our favorite tv shows this is a subject that's been a long time coming and it's one that we've been hammering out for a couple weeks shanna's been hammering out all the way to the minute of recording So, Shanna, that being the case, why don't you talk about, like, clearly this is not an easy topic for you. Why was it difficult? What what was it like for you? What was your process? Uh, Why is it that it took you all the way down to the last minute to try to nail it down? Uh, Because I have two jobs, (laughs) and... (laughs) I am working nonstop and I am very grateful for the jobs because I can actually support myself now with my photography business. Most things are being paid for through that as opposed to the second job, which I also love. Uh, But it's just been a busy time for me. And this list was difficult because sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm more of a TV person. Like Mm -hmm. I'm more of a TV person 60% of the time. Okay. And 40% of the time, I'm a movie person. But, you know, with a TV show, you can have hours with those characters. And you can have, you you really have a chance to see them develop if it's, you know, uh, a procedural. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that the right word? Sure. Okay. If and, you're talking about procedurals, then yes. Okay, great. You're <laughs> so helpful. Um, and like it, law and order and, and stuff. Yeah. Like, well... Like there's the story is always unfolding, mm. you know. Versus is a sitcom when it like re, like it resets. Well, the traditional sitcom is mm. a twenty to twenty five minute situational comedy, right? So it's usually episodic in nature. Maybe there might be some character through lines, 
but like okay. relationships or whatever. But you know, that's usually the gist. Gotcha. For me, TV shows can also bring about memories of a particular time. Mm. I know we did a movie list like that, but TV shows seem to be more prone to activating memories with me. Like nostalgia? Is that what the Like, I remember where I was, and I remember some good times. Like, there's hardly any TV shows where I'm like, I remember the bad times. Like, The Handmaid's Tale is the kind of show where it's referencing things that are happening on a day-to-day basis, whether it's in your own circle or societies, a bigger part of society. And I do have bad memories attached to that. Hmm. So I think that that's interesting. I think with TV shows, it's hard for me to come up with a list because I want to go back and revisit. Like there was one show that I thought, oh, it'll be a good idea to watch one episode because maybe this will, maybe it won't be on my list. And now I'm on episode eight of season one. Mm. Whereas what I should have done is like do one episode from this show, one episode from this show. So from different shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that that's been interesting and hard to balance because of all the work I'm doing. Mm. So this may or may not be my ultimate favorite 12. You're, You're not even sure if the 12 you selected. I'm not even sure. Or even your absolute favorites. I mean, like, I think. I'm looking at it right now and I'm like, I'm pretty certain of the order of the first five. Okay. And I'm I'm pretty sure like two or three of those beyond that would stay on the list, but I'm not entirely sure where, they, where they're supposed to be. Mm. But I love TV shows. You know, my mom used to record uh, shows on VHS tapes for us uh-huh. because we would be at school all day, like we'd get home at like five or six. Oh, okay. And she would make sure that, you know, like cartoons were being recorded or whatever. And if we were going to be out, she'd make sure it's recorded unless the power went out, which is a lot in South Africa. And so we, I remember Jared, you, my brother used to watch Dragon Ball Z and he'd have a VHS tape that he'd watch when he gets home. But like he would lose his shit when <laughs> it didn't record because it's like, I think TV shows are really soothing for me and my family Hmm. or can be. Hmm. And there's not a lot of shows on here that are from before the nineties. Well, before you get to that, because that's a really good, uh, gets into another question. You do touch on something that I think is really important to clarify too, is like criteria for this. Um, We excluded overall animated shows for a reason that will be explained later. But animated shows, and also, like, I excluded limited series and miniseries, too. So, unless a show was prematurely canceled, like, every show had to have, like, multiple seasons, right? At least two seasons or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, and it had to be, to help kind of center it, make it a little bit narrower, we're not focused on animated shows. Oh, are we not supposed to have a show that was one season? Because I have one, and I insist it be on there. If if it was if it was intended to have more, but it got prematurely uh, canceled, okay. yeah, yeah, but not like shows that are intended to run limited series or as a mini series of like less than six episodes or whatever, you know. 
So, so uh, go on. You, you, you were starting to raise another question is like, yeah. how far back did you go? Well, we'll have to find out later, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. When I put the list together, I, I think yeah. it's also good to talk about like where we're coming from, like with TV show access. I mean, you had to either be home to watch that show, that episode come about like air, or you had to have VHS. And if you didn't have VHS recording it, uh, there was no repeat. Like if Friends season three, episode three was on on Thursday and you missed it because the power went out and your VCR couldn't record it, they, they, you could not watch it on Sunday's repeat day. You know, there was nothing like that. And so if you missed out on an episode, you missed out on an episode and it was like devastating. <laughs> it mm. was a continual story. Oh, yeah. And then later we got satellite TV and satellite TV became on demand. And sometimes we got to access the shows via that way, but mm. not always all of them. And I remember my father went away to Germany and he came back with three seasons of Friends on VHS. Wow. It must have taken up a lot of space yeah. in the suitcase. Yeah. But it was really cool because then I got, when I was ready to, I got to just pop those VHS tapes in and mm. it was so amazing. And then when, you know, DVDs came and you could buy a whole show on DVD. Oh my God. That was great for our family. I think especially for my dad and for me, the concept of just blowing through a whole show in two or three days and getting to watch it again and again was great. I remember getting one show and we had to order from Amazon and we had to wait six or eight weeks for it to deliver to South Africa. It was amazing because I would watch season one over and over and over again and see if I missed anything. Um, and so obviously the good shows were the ones I'd watch again and again if they had details to hide. And I remember, you know, my brother got Heroes and South Africa wasn't even airing it yet. Oh, huh. and interesting. Uh, he got heroes and or maybe they had aired three episodes or something and he locked himself in his bedroom and i went to him the next morning and i saw it was on the tv <laughs> and i was like you bastard you watched it without me so um that was interesting too so in our house like that shifted a little bit you know instead of gathering around the tv with one family member it sometimes became this isolated viewing party uh, hmm. um, and then you know things became available online yeah and that was pretty cool and then i moved over here and discovered hulu and netflix and i just about lost my mind you know because a lot of their content, yeah. especially over 10 years ago, was TV shows. Yeah. Right? Not yeah. their original stuff, no. either one. Because Netflix, I think, over 10 years ago, was just starting to create their own original TV shows, like Orange is the New Black. Yeah. And so that's been interesting, too, to see. Sometimes it's able to bring a show back. Uh -huh. And I think I know that I'm kind of going on and on about the history of TV show viewing experience. Well, but you know. I think it's important because one or two shows are on this list because if I put on an episode, I remember what it was like watching it at 15 hmm. and 18 and now at, in my 30s. 
Hmm. So you talked a little bit about your experience in history with watching TV. Yeah. And I think for me, some of what you were explaining was also true here in the sense that like there was a traditional TV fall TV season. And that would be the fall generally September and October would be when every show's new season would start Mm. and it would go generally until like May. And maybe they'd have like a couple week break sometime in between, but generally, you know, because most TV shows that traditionally they'd have like 20 to 24 episodes a season, right? So that would fill all the way up to May most of the time. And then generally from like late May through August was the hiatus season. If you missed an episode, you were not likely to be able to catch that episode until the hiatus season when they aired Ah. repeats. And even then you might be lucky if you caught the episode you missed, Mm -hmm. right? Because there was no guarantee what episodes would be re-aired. It wasn't like they started all over or anything during that hiatus season and recycled in case you missed it or anything like that. So it was, that's why that, that traditional period has been referred to as appointment TV because you had an appointment mm-hmm. at eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, whatever it was to be in front of your TV and watch the episode when it aired. That's super interesting. You know, in South Africa, there were no hiatuses. Mm. So I think they waited. They either waited for everything to air and then got it, mm. or they waited until hiatus, like, come back, and then they started airing them. Well, I wonder if also some uh, how much of that had to do with what was not accessible during apartheid and then them just catching up with everything that had aired previously after apartheid. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between, like, catch up after apartheid versus okay now it's 10 years later Mm. but we're not going to do this hiatus thing you Mm. know so there was definitely that and what that meant was everybody like the the country experienced things at the same time together right so that made everything a lot more like uh cultural events uh which arguably is is a lot better than they are today where things are so diversified and so fractured that like most people don't catch things at the same time and and all that sort of stuff so but anyway you know you're spot on in the late 90s the dvds started coming along yeah there was some vhs that may have had printings of tv shows but it really wasn't nearly that common it it wasn't common for you like you couldn't go i don't really think so i really think it was like when dvd came along oh that's when TV shows became a thing because it it wasn't just that they started printing entire series of past shows. What you started finding in the peak of the DVD boom in the early aughts was, oh, like as soon as a season is done, like we can start packaging this thing up mm. for for consumption, you know. And so, honestly, I think like the DVD era was the best era for for consuming TV shows yeah. because you had the best packaging, first of all. 
Oh yeah, packaging can be amazing. Yes, and you had, and they always like cho- stuffed them full of features most of the time, unless it was oh, a yeah. a low rated show. Like The Simpsons had a commentary on basically every episode. Yeah, it was so cool. Right, and uh, you know they 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 put money in those things, and those things sold. Right now, like some of the things that you were mentioning, like you could. You could go and get one of those, but like sometimes they're not available to buy. They're out of print. They're 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 maybe expensive, hard to get in order to get those older printings. Or maybe you'll get a newer printing where it's like cheaper packaging, little clam, cheap clamshell with flappy pages, yeah. basically that the discs are on. So then streaming came along, which was supposed to be even more convenient, but isn't necessarily because a mm. there's so many different streamers out there um you may not have the right streamer and b like even if you do have a collection of streamers like some shows are just not available right yeah. well and some shows aren't even getting printed anymore so like stranger things you can get hold of the physical copy of one and two but like we haven't seen number three and four, and that's sure, the thing as yeah. well. Is like, oh, where do you go f- to get these things? Target isn't bringing in a lot anymore. Well, we haven't been to Best Buy in a while, but the last time I went, they didn't have a lot of TV shows no, compared to all that out compared to ten years ago when like we had mm-hmm. one of our first dates there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you're starting to segue into streamer exclusive content because everybody started feeling this pressure like oh we got to create new content rather than just have old content so netflix is one of those and they have printed some of their own shows for purchase but not all of them and so that raises another issue and actually raises a question does your list have any uh, include any streamer exclusive shows well this is interesting no it doesn't hmm yeah that is that is it interesting doesn't. yeah that and there's been a lot right yeah uh, mine does but does yours you're a huge hbo fan too. I, I fucking love hbo so did much. hbo end up making your list yeah okay one two two Okay. All right. I was going to be very surprised if that um, didn't make it. It's entirely possible I could. Honestly, I could probably have an HBO list, but I wanted to vary it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, As far as, like, how far back, I researched the hell out of this. I went back as far as, like, the 70s, looking up, like, best best shows of the 70s or whatever. Trying to make sure. Yeah, trying to make sure I didn't let anything slip through the cracks. Uh, there's a lot of shows growing up in the 80s and 90s that I grew up with. There's a lot of shows that I liked, and that includes stuff from the Golden Age era and and the 70s. It was just a matter of, like, are there any that I absolutely love? And mm-hmm. also, it's important to bear in mind, like, I watched a lot of TV growing mm-hmm. up. Like, mm-hmm. imagine five days a week, basically between 8 p.m., to 11 p.m., I was most of that time watching TV shows. And if you kind of add up like how many hours that is a week and 
you know, and that's not even counting the the five to eight period where I'm watching the news and maybe a local program or something, you know, or maybe even something in syndication. Well, and like it's not, you don't strike me as the person that would have a computer or be on their computer, you know. Well, uh, no, not not at all, not at all, not that that would uh, help. It's I think even only like you're not talking about in terms of watching TV shows or anything like that right no i'm talking about like oh i'm gonna play i'm gonna play a computer game right or right oh you know i have six sports that i play right or whatever yeah there's a little bit of the former not so much the latter at all <laughs> as far as i'm concerned you know i've always been a media consumer so uh there is a lot is what i'm trying to say there's a lot for me to take into consideration to the point where i came up with almost two dozen TV shows when I was trying to pare this down to like, what do I absolutely love? And then I had to really think, okay, like how many of the shows do I love versus like, and then how many shows like have like multiple seasons that I don't like, you know? Oh yeah. Like if for me, it's also like, did they stick the landing with their final season? Right, right. Which immediately, for me, disqualified Lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot that got disqualified for me. Because of that point alone? Yeah. The ending? It's like, well, oh. sure, your first season is practically flawless. Mm. And so is two and three. But, like, six was shit. Or, like, okay, you had seven and I only disliked two or three. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so for my list, I got it down to there are shows on my list where there is really no more than, like, one season that I dislike. Mm. And and there's other other aspects I'll talk about as we get into it. But was there anything else you want to speak to? Oh, uh, speaking of the DVD boom, we own TV shows on DVD. Yeah. You would think if you like the show enough to <laughs> own it, to buy it, to pay money, to be able to access it anytime, in case it's not available to stream even, what? you would love it. It would be a favorite of mm-hmm. yours. It would be on your list. How many shows that you own on DVD did and ended up making your list? I think you also have to remember that... Sometimes the only way you can see a show is to buy it a few years ago. Like with Outlander, uh, we didn't have cable. We didn't have whatever it was on. Uh So I bought it at, you know, Black Friday. Okay. So you got to remember But it's not a favorite of yours. It's not a favorite. It's Mm. it's just a a bit much for me. Mm. Was there a lot in our collection like, like Outlander? Well... You also have to remember, I like some British TV, and mm-hmm. we don't have the American format of the British shows. You're talking about like BritBox or what? Yeah, well, I mean, like in DVD format. Oh, oh, the oh, 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 okay, I see. I gotcha, yeah. But yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple shows. Okay, I'm going to say it turns out most of my list we own. Well, that's nice for you. <laughs> It just, I guess those it, shows just, aren't I'm, going anywhere. I'm just realizing it, honestly, that well, that's the case. And sometimes they're just so super expensive. Like I have one show where I had one, two, three, and seven. The seasons. Uh, yeah. And I kept, I got rid of one, two, three, because I was like, oh, it's available to stream, not realizing later 
we'd run into issues, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. This was in the beginning. And I kept seven because I paid full price for it. And it was like $68 from oh, Barnes & Noble. Jesus. So, and I was on an all pair, you know, salary. So, I was like, yeah. I'm not getting rid of this ever. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, un- unless there's anything else you want to speak to about this topic or the process, why don't we finally get to the list themselves and get us started with your 12th favorite TV show of all time? Sure. My number 12 is actually a documentary oh. and it's on HBO. Oh. It's from, it's like between 2020 and 2021. It is I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Huh. I've never heard of that. I thought you watched it with me. It's Patton Oswalt's his wife. Okay. So it's starring Patton Oswalt, Paul Haynes, Amy Ryan, uh, a bunch of others. It's a gripping examination of the unsolved crimes of the Golden State Killer who terrorized California in the 70s and 80s. And it's just great how they show the power of community on the internet when, when you can have community and a common goal of, okay, well, what if we all want to solve this and can we come together and can we talk about it and can we share information? And it's just this journey that she goes on to to solve it. And it's fantastic. It's just a really great show. I'll be gone in the dark. Okay, so that is technically a miniseries because it was one one uh, season of seven episodes, which is typically how long a miniseries is. I technically don't care. Okay. <laughs> Like I, I like I know there's other documentaries out there, like National Geographic stuff. Like our friend is into the show Taboo, and it's like three seasons. Huh. Um, no, this is a show that is fantastic, well executed. Within those seven or whatever episodes, it's on my list. Right. What's your number twelve, Jeff right. Gibson? Mine is an actual show. Of, oh of- fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a show that. Barely made it on my list. The number 12 spot was really hard for me. So two things were really hard. A, freaking organizing my ranking mm. and, and leading to the, yes, this is definitively my favorite show of all time. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. And number 12, what show gets in and what shows don't. Mm-hmm. So number 12 got in. It's a show that like has a season I really don't like, and that's the first season. And after you get through the first season, which thankfully is only two and a half hours long, you're good to go. The unfortunate thing about that first season is you can't just skip it because it actually lays a lot of groundwork that is referenced a lot through the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. This show is NBC's Parks and Recreation from 2009. Oh, good choice. So that star is Amy Poehler and Aziz Ansari and Aubrey Nick. Plaza, Chris Pratt. Who? Nick. Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. Nick Offerman, yes. So many others. Great ensemble, workplace comedy. It's a spinoff of a show I don't like called The Office. <laughs> yeah. That a lot of people love. It's one of the most popular But TV. then, like, they'll hate Parks and Rec, so... Super weird. I have heard that too. Yes. Yes. So, uh, but I I think that this is a show that really kind of grew into its own, found its footing eventually. And it was one where like I was sad when it ended. 
because I love these characters so much. And so, and it's a really fun, one of the things that you'll find in my list that characterize my list is you will find a handful of comedies in mine. You'll find relationship dramas and you'll find comedies Mm -hmm. on my list. And so my list starts with this NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation from 2009. My number 11 is Showtime. It is Dexter. Ah, it did make it. It did make it. Yeah, it was. It started. It, it took place 20, 2006 to 2013. Uh, do yourself a favor. Don't get the last season on DVD because in the menu, it spoils everything that happens really? in that season. Oh, that's terrible. And it was just so heartbreaking and so disappointing. Although I will say one of the best like packages uh, DVD packages of the whole season because that that was interesting too. It's like oh, as the show was running, you could get season one, two, three, and then you know once it was finished, they would do sometimes they would do a printing of the whole yes. show. Yes, and mm-hmm. I think Breaking Bad is also one of those shows that has really good packaging at the end where it's mm. like in a barrel or something. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this one was like a slides or something similar to how you would. Uh, see his uh, Dexter's collection. Ah, okay. <clears throat> so uh, he's smart, he's lovable, he's Dexter Morgan, America's favorite serial killer who spends his days solving crimes and nights committing them. I love this show. It stars Michael C. Hall, Jennifer Carpenter. You've got a couple visits from different people depending on the season, yeah. like. John Lithgow is, just, if you ever wanted to see John Lithgow as like a really, really nasty bad guy. This Watch is, Cliffhanger. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, this one's really good. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to see who else is my favorite in here. I think Jimmy Smits is in a season, if I recall correctly. There's a lot of big names from TV and film that pop up. Yeah. If you see that one meme that says, surprise, motherfucker, that's Eric King who's a sergeant huh. with uh, in the show, uh, who who knows there's something wrong with Dexter. Right, <laughs> no one right, believes him. Right. So it's really it's really fun watching him lose his shit because like he know his gut is telling him there's something off about Dexter, but he can't prove it. Yeah, that was an interesting show you you showed me. It, it's it's gory. And yep. but you're also like what's also unique about that one is you're rooting for ostensibly a a guy who does horrible things he's he's like a, kind of the def, definitive anti-hero mm-hmm. uh, because he is killing people you know and he and he, it's a matter of like is he going to get caught it's kind of similar to breaking bad which i think maybe started later after dexter i think after yeah we're like you're you're following a guy who is extraordinarily flawed and like, is he going to get caught? Do you want him to get caught? Do you not want him to get caught? All that sort of stuff. Well, and as the seasons progress, the story, it, it becomes more and more nerve wracking. Uh-huh. And, you know, even though he's this serial killer, he's still human in that he has these flaws and he does make bad decisions along the way. Not necessarily decisions that are going to get him caught, but, you know. Yeah. People choices. So uh, that's Dexter. What's your number 10? Uh, my number 11. I'm sorry. 
My number 10 will be next. <laughs> is So one of the things that you'll see in some of my picks are shows that were prematurely canceled. Mm. I have, I want to say, at least three shows on my list that were prematurely canceled that I absolutely love, and I'm not alone in that love for some of them. The first one is from 1999. It is Freaks and Geeks, Mm. available on Amazon Prime and Hulu. It got canceled during its uh, first season. And I think, I think, if I understand correctly, they were given enough notice because they were, like, not doing great with ratings, but they were critically loved. Yeah. And, like, those who did watch loved the show. But I think they were given enough notice that they were able to come up with some sort of an ending, Mm. if I understand correctly. So you do have some sort of a series finale. Um, okay. After it, but it was intended to, you know, not be canceled, right? Yeah. I think it has 16 episodes, if I recall. And this is a series that it was uh, produced by Judd Apatow, I believe. And it was about the, the kids in high school during the early 80s, late mm-hmm. 70s, early 80s, who like... They are not academically excelling necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're not popular by any means or athletically uh, ex- uh, excelling. They're the nerds or what would you call the burnouts maybe. You know, the people who who go off to that corner and would be smoking or whatever else, right? Yeah. Or maybe they have a be part of a rock band or something, right? A garage band. So it's about those people. Linda Cardellini is one of the main people. This show has so many people that came from it. Martin Starr, Seth Rogen, James uh, Franco, uh, Jason Segel, all these people who became stars during the uh, 2000s and the 2010s. Who's the person that's in Bones, but also... John Francis Daly. Absolutely. So... There's a lot of that, and uh, and there's uh, uh, Paul Feig was a regular director. Paul Feig went mm. on to direct things like Spy and Bridesmaids and and Ghostbusters. And anyway, it's a fantastic show. It was just one of those things that got mishandled by NBC. They didn't have a lot of faith in it. It's the one I quote from time to time. You quote from time to time. What do we what do we quote again? Well, uh, I think his name was uh, what John Flaherty. I think his name is um, who plays. The father, sometimes, there's like two occasions (laughs) where he tries to impart a lesson. You know what happens when you're pregnant? You die. Yeah, something like that. Which actually I shouldn't laugh about because, you know, given what's happening in the U.S. right now, you could die. So, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think he specifically calls out pregnancy. You know what happens when you have sex? You die. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, Freaks and Geeks is my 11th favorite it's available on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Nice. My next one, I believe, is available on HBO. It happened between 94 and 2004. Uh-huh. It is Friends. Oh, it's that far down your list. Okay. All right. <laughs> you like the murder a lot more, I'm, I'm betting. You know what? I don't freaking care what you have to say. Like, <laughs> apparently, I do like the murder, right? Um, like, maybe in another life, I was like a detective or something. Anyway, friends, uh, we all know what this is. It's six twenty to thirty somethings living together in New York. 
somewhat and developing relationships. And this is one of those great ones where you can see the relationships and the characters evolve. Such great character arcs sometimes too, uh, from season one to, what is it, season 10? Yeah, they had yeah. 10 seasons, yeah. Nice way to end. I mean, ah, oh, like we watched this. So I watched the first three seasons in South Africa and then didn't have access to the rest. And then I came here and I met you. And so we watched everything. Yeah. And when it ended, we were like so bummed, you know. Mm. It's such a, a great show to watch, to feel good. I mean, if I go stay at a hotel or somewhere else and it's available on Nickelodeon, I, I watch it. And if it's a particular episode, I'm like, I'm not moving from this channel, you know. Mm. So uh, it's great that it still runs on Nickelodeon or whatever other channels there is. When I go to hotels, that's what it's on. Oh, okay. Like yeah. at night. On cable. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I love it. I love the characters. I think my favorite character is is probably Phoebe, but also uh, also uh, Monica. Mm. Uh, especially like her little arc that she goes through. And, you know, Chandler's cool too. Everyone's awesome. I think my cousin named his son after Joey. So I think, I mean, that's what I think happened, but, you know, it hasn't been confirmed. So such a great show. I could go on and on. Mm. There's laughs, there's tears, there's moments that I'll have you rewind and play over and over again for me because mm -hmm. it's just hilarious. Um, there's a particular scene where Joey is putting something together and he's like the dumb character, but he's able to figure out something very important before anyone else. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> just a beautiful thing to witness. Very good. And, and where can people find friends? As I said earlier, HBO. Excellent. My number 10 is another show that was prematurely canceled because I think it peaked at like, I don't know, 50 something or 80 something in the ratings for its time slot. It is an ABC series from 1999. It was called Once and Again. Mm. It stars Billy Campbell and Sailor Ward. It was an ensemble cast. But Billy Campbell and Sailor Ward basically play two people who are divorced or going through a divorce. And they both have kids. And their kids go to the same school. And that's how they end up meeting. And they end up like starting to date each other and, and trying to juggle work, life, relationship, balancing it all and you know finding this little bit of happiness again with mm -hmm. each other mm -hmm. but also like trying not trying to deal with any drama that might come up mm -hmm. from it right like how does it affect the kids how can i get away with doing this before i'm ready to let the kids know you know all this sort of stuff the show i i felt hard for it you know, there's some people that came from the show that's like, oh, you know, this person, like Suzanne Thompson, she would end up being an arrow for the first couple seasons or so. Or uh, Marin Hinkle, she would end up being in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Or Evan Rachel Wood, you know, became a, a serious actress after this, uh, this show. You know, she was like, gosh, I want to see, like, 10, 10 or 12 or something like that when the show started 
yeah, I think 12 playing the 10 year old when the show started. So it, it's, it's, it's a show that I don't know anybody else who remembers this show. I don't know anybody else who is a fan of this show. If you are definitely pipe up because, uh, we will be BFFs. <laughs> it lasted for three seasons. Like once the third season came around and it was below a hundred in the ratings, mm-hmm. the writing was on the wall. And I kind of feel like they didn't necessarily get the chance to make a very satisfying ending uh, for the series before cancellation. I'm not really sure how the timing worked out on there. But I I feel like it kind of just sort of it had a series season finale, but it didn't really feel like it had a series finale, if that makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I'm a sucker for relationship dramas, and and uh, I fell hard for this when I was like 18 years old or so. It's called Once and Again. It's from 1999, and you cannot find it anywhere. Oh, that's the other thing. The only way to watch it is to watch it on DVD, and they only printed the first two of three seasons. Well, and that's like something similar to Murphy Brown. Oh, yeah. They printed season one, and because they're using popular songs of the time, you know, what we've learned is they run into uh, copyright licensing issues, and so you can't get the other seasons. Right. And it sucks, and you can't watch it anywhere else either. That is a frequent issue. Murphy Brown, a much bigger cultural touchstone and much more popular show than Once and Again was. Once Again didn't have the music issues. It just was not, like, nearly as popular. And so they just, like, let the rights to distribution fade and bef- and they didn't they didn't publish the third season so it's a bummer once and again 1999 my 10th favorite tv show all right here's an older one from 1984 to 1996 it is murder she wrote oh that made it huh yeah oh, it okay. made it because what i even though i haven't finished i have not finished this show uh, what I realized, though, is I watched six seasons over and over again. So Well, th- 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 there's a lot yeah. there for that runtime that you just said. Plus, yeah. there's the TV movies. Yes, there's that as well. So mm. uh, I really enjoy this show. It's about a professional writer and amateur sleuth, Jessica Fletcher, uh, using her intellect, charm, and persistence to get to the bottom of every crime she encounters, which... Crime happens all the time in front of her and around her. Uh, she knows a lot of people who are either implicated yeah. in a murder or maybe even died. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Super interesting. And what's fun about this show is, like, you can tell, like, it was made in a time where reruns weren't happening as much or, like, they happened, like, years later or whatever because they recycle their guest actors and actresses yeah which i thought was really funny like the first time i experienced that i was like hang on you're not that character you were the bad guy (laughs) in season one and now you're acting like a good share who the hell are you right yeah and then i did some research and realized oh this is just you know what they did yeah and i i thoroughly enjoy jessica fletcher i love I think it's the deputy that pops in on her every now and again. And I I mostly love her family members. And I also love her, like, 
no-nonsense attitude. I mean, who mm. doesn't love Angela Lansbury? She's yeah. just fantastic. Right, absolutely. This may or may not be the last of the prematurely canceled shows on my list. Oh, okay. It's from 2002. It was a show that got heavily mishandled. It is notorious for what happened to it. Ooh, can I guess after you've described the notoriety? Well, I mean, basically it got uh, its schedule changed, different days, different times, poor marketing. It was only given, uh, gosh, it was either 12 or 14 weeks before it was canceled. I think there's like four episodes maybe that weren't aired originally. They also didn't air the first episode first. As the first episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know what it is. If you know this show, you probably know what it is. It is Firefly. I think maybe one of the only shows from Fox on my list, uh, if I'm not mistaken, oddly enough. Nathan Fillion, this is another ensemble. I love ensemble casts, apparently, because this is the fourth show in a row that is an ensemble cast on my list. Nathan Fillion, Marina Baccarin, Jewel States. Help me out here. A, 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 a summer glow. It's not on my list, so like I can't help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Why haven't you got your IMDb up? There's like six six people. It's a sci-fi western, and it was one of the most unique and coolest ideas. And, and it's set in a distant future after a major war, and Captain Mal, played by Nathan Fillion, was on the losing end of that war, and this. This uh, world building is really great because you have, like, basically on Earth, like, cultures merged. And China ended up being the super supreme superpower. So their culture is heavily interwoven into, into the fabric of the, of the world that's created here. And then Maria Baccarin, like, prostitution is legalized and Maria Baccarin plays a, a companion and there's like a whole companions guild and there's like a really smart way of how like companions work. And uh, so that way they, they are given autonomy and, and, and respect and, and all this sort of stuff. It's a great show. There's a, there's some something funky going on with summer glow that is kind of teased throughout the series. And it's definitely a show that got cut off and got screwed way before its time. Something that easily could have gotten three fantastic seasons, if not five. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's, there's obviously a roadmap that was being engineered here that just got uh, denied. And so it's a, it's a really great uh, show. It's available on Hulu if you don't own the box set on DVD or Blu-ray. So that's Firefly, my ninth favorite uh, from 2002. My number eight is Battlestar Galactica. Ah, so following the no sci-fi theme. That made your list. Yeah, it made it. Huh. Uh, this to is... be clear, this is the remake of Battlestar from 2004 to 2009 mm. this just this had a satisfying finale mm. uh they you know they knew it was their last season and they finished it accordingly I you know the, the show always starts with they have a plan well I'm pretty sure the writers had a plan mm-hmm. 
because you can tell that it was carefully written. Everything was carefully planned. There are so many reveals that happen throughout the show. If you've watched it once and then you're watching it again, like we're doing right now with our son, it's it's funny because there's certain things that happen to certain characters. And I'm like, I thought that happened at the end, you mm. know? So it's one of those shows that keeps you engaged even the second time going, mm. you know? I don't know if I had watched this on repeat, maybe it would be different, but, you know, we watched it at the beginning of our marriage uh, or rather dating, and now we're watching it like a decade or so later. Mm. So it's it's great. I love the characters. What is this? It's when an old enemy, the Cylons, which are basically like robots, resurface and obliterate the 12 colonies, so 12 planets of that are inhabited by humans. The crew of the aged Galactica, which is the military, protect a small civilian fleet, the last of humanity, as they journey toward the fabled 13th colony. So they're basically looking for another place to settle and rebuild. Mm -hmm. And it, it takes a long time. You'd think like with 12 colonies, finding another planet is easy, but apparently it's not uh, with this one. So, And they're kind of following, like they said, like a fable, because uh, they're trying to make that come true. So I, I think that that's, it's pretty cool. And it's just an interesting sort of religion too. They don't get too much into it. Uh, just an episode. Oh, well, they definitely well, I do. I thought they don't, but maybe I'm forgetting something. Yeah. Anyway, it's unique and it's interesting. And the characters are amazing. The actors are amazing. The arcs that happen are great. Some of my favorite characters are Starbuck and uh, President Laura Roslin. And I'm sure there's people I'm forgetting about because we haven't finished the show. So Katie Sackhoff, Mary McDonnell are definitely my favorites. We have met Mary McDonnell. We just met Katie Sackhoff. We have met... Aaron Douglas. Is that Chief? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's great. I mean... <sighs> It's always exciting when they come to Comic-Con. Firefly, people from Firefly also come to Comic-Con and people just about lose their minds when that happens. Mm -hmm. So... I, I love this show. I can't wait to finish it again. I think we're only on season two. We're halfway through or so or oh, more. Geez, I wish we could just two. spend like a weekend just binging it. <laughs> so my... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Alessandro Giuliani. Yes. I, I love him. Mm -hmm. And he's been in a few different things, but he's definitely one of my favorite as well. And I'm glad that we get to see him in a lot of different stuff. Yeah, he plays Gaeta. My eighth favorite is a sitcom that we haven't quite finished, but we've been watching the past couple months. Oh, it made it, huh? And this sitcom made it on my list because, like, every single season makes me laugh out loud. There's, 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 it, it, the show is Modern Family, which started in 2009. It ran for 11 seasons. We're almost done with the 11th season watching it now. And I think like it's, it's another great ensemble cast. Once again, apparently I love ensemble casts and TV shows. And great guest guest performers too. There's it's amazing who shows up in this show, but you know, it, it is about the, this, this family and their subsets of families, right? So you have the, 
the grandfather and his adult children and then you have their children and their spouses right Mm -hmm. and so it tries as a modern family it tries to encompass you know gay parents and you have you have a colombian uh wife you have uh just a, a wide variety not as much as you might expect, like, today, mm-hmm. if someone were to make a modern family today. It would look a lot different, it yeah. It would still look a lot different. But still, uh, it's it's a, it's it's funny. It is a really funny show. I think Claire, played by Julie Bowen, is the one mm-hmm. character who most consistently drives me nuts because she's o- almost always wrong when she's so confident that she's right about things and she's so (laughs) uptight a little bit of a control freak and just this personality that does drive me nuts the most out of all of them but um i do love it and it's really great it has ed bundy sorry not ed bundy ed (laughs) o'neill has ed o'neill who is kind of the patriarch of the pritchett family and it's really great because like ed o'neill of course played ed bundy from married with children decades ago and that for a while was like the defining show of fox tv fox network Mm -hmm. like and that for a while was like the longest running sitcom until like so many shows including this one surpassed it i think it lasted for seven or eight seasons which was at that time considered a long time but anyway modern family 11 seasons maybe you might think it got a little long long in the tooth but I find that every season uh, makes me laugh really, uh, really hard uh, frequently. And I love the cast. I love the characters. So, it, yeah, it did make my list. And you're able to stream it on Hulu. Hmm, excellent. I also have a Hulu show. Well, it's not a show that Hulu made. It's okay. just on Hulu right now, which is fantastic. It's about five or six seasons, 2004 to 2008. It's one of my dad's favorites. And uh, he quoted it to me when he was visiting and I couldn't remember because it had been too long since I watched it. Watched one episode last night and I was like, you know what? Oh. Yes, this is going to make the list. It's Boston Legal. Okay. And I have no, I have not seen the practice, which apparently this is a spinoff of the practice. Right. With much James to my, Spader's character. Much to my dismay, because <laughs> you love this kind of shit. And so I've been trying to get you to watch the practice and see what you think. I love Boston Legal. You know, I picked an episode. Well, okay, let me talk about who's in it uh, and what it is. It's the spinoff, but it's happening at this practice, this legal firm, Crane, Pool and Schmidt. And they have about like three or four depending on the situation, lawyers taking on different cases. And sometimes the story uh, spreads throughout the season or the entire show. And sometimes it's just like a one-off case, Uh you know? So it's nice that there's a lot of variety there. And then, of course, we get to know the characters as the show progresses. But we've got, you know, my sort of crush, James Spader, William Shatner, and he just gets to, like, ham it up over there. Mm-hmm. Candace Bergen, which I'm like, yay! I oh. uh, just love her. Um, Julie Bowen, right? Julie Bowen! And so I specifically picked a season that had Julie Bowen, so you could be like, Julie Bowen! Um, <laughs> and Mark Valley, who I I love. Uh, we've also got a lot of different visiting judges. We've uh. got some characters that go in and out of the show, like John Larroquette. How do I say this? John Larroquette. He's, Thank you. He's from Night Court. He's kind of a legend. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, and then we've got... My gosh. 
Rene Abergenois, who uh, has since passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. He was on Star Trek DS9. Uh, wow. Constance Zimmer, Henry Gibson, Monica Potter, Saffron Burroughs, Taraji P. Henson. Wow, that's a lot of people that were in multiple episodes. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have the full cast list up here, but it is, it's massive, you know, uh, and lots of uh, guests. One of my favorite judges, though, I have to find him. You sound like you have a question. No, no, I don't. Are you referring to last night's judge? Last night's judge is also a favorite. Who was that? That was Anthony Heald, who some people know from The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, It's also important to note, this is a David E. Kelly show. David E. Kelly was hot for... Like throughout the 90s and in the uh, early 2000s. I love Leslie Jordan as one of the one of the judge. I thought he was a judge. No, he's one of the like characters. But there's another judge that I love that I can't seem to find right now. They even have. There's too many people that's been in this. (laughs) There's so many. Katie Seagal, freaking Curtis Armstrong, Parker Posey, Jane Lynch. Wow. Oh, yeah, Jane Lynch. That was an awesome character. Freddie Prince Jr.? Jeez. Armin Shimmerman? Jody Lynn O'Keefe? Go, uh, all right. I'm, I'm going to stop. Anyway. Go ahead. It keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> There's so... And that's what's really cool. Um, It's a very upbeat. It's got cool camera techniques. Like, all of a sudden, they'll zoom in on someone, and it's like, whoa. But it's kind of fun, because mm. the dialogue is very fast. It's very fast, and you kind of have to be paying attention. And you also have to be... You have to know the characters and you have to know the show to be able to determine are they just being arrogant or are they commenting on something, mm. you know? Um, I love what happens at the end of each episode. James Spader and William Shatner, they're close friends, and so they'll always have a, a meeting on the balcony and they'll chat about things. And usually those are really sweet heart-to-hearts, but also about what society is going through. And mm. sometimes it's... It's like you could straight up interpret it as how they're saying it. And sometimes it's like, "Mm, you got to read in between the lines. So I love this show. It's a lot of fun. I just watched one episode last night and I was like, oh, there's a couple things in here that don't hold up well. But then at the very end, the balcony discussion kind of wrapped it up Mm. in a neat bow. And now that I live in have lived in America for over a decade, I get it a little better. Mm. So, but that's a show you've seen. I finished it. It yeah. had a satisfying ending, if I remember correctly, too. Very good. So that is Boston Legal, which I always have to stop myself because there's a show called Boston Public, and I always want to ah, accidentally say that. That came to know? South Africa too. Yeah. And all right. So my seventh favorite TV show is another NBC show. Apparently, I I really love. NBC, uh, some ABC too, but uh, this is from 2016. It's available on Hulu. It is another ensemble, but it, this instead of a comedy, this is more like Once and Again because huh. these kinds of shows are catnip for me. This is us. That's nice for you. <laughs> this is one of those shows. This is like torture, sadness, torture porn no, for it's, sadness. Okay, so that's a huge misconception. Oh, is like, it? and I and I talked about this when I talked last year, I think it was about uh, the the series finale. You know, yeah, this show 
can make you cry, but it's not necessarily because it's sad. A lot of the times it can make you cry because it's incredibly moving, incredibly touching, incredibly heartwarming, incredibly joyous. There's a lot of feels in this series about a family. It's star Sterling K. Brown, Mandy Moore, Milo Ventimiglia, uh, Justin Hartley, Chris Sullivan, Chrissy Metz, Susan Kelechi Watson, uh, John Huertas, who I think is underrated and overlooked often in the series. This is a show that it, it is full of reveals. It's like it's like peeling back an onion where often you you get like more and more is revealed as you go along throughout the series. But like, but do you cry every episode? No, not every episode. Okay. But uh, it's, 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 it's really great. It's got like these cast members, you know, you've probably seen some of them in other things, but they're doing some of their greatest work as actors in this show, Justin Hartley, who I knew from Smallville, he played Green Arrow in Smallville. And at first it was like, oh, it's kind of cool to see you in this show. And then I watch him in this show. It's like, oh, my God, you're amazing in this show. And so Sterling K. Brown became really famous because of this show. And then he did a bajillion other things during the run of this show, you know, because mm-hmm. he's a freaking great actor. He can do a lot of things, you know. Mandy Moore, I think, is greatly underrated as an actress. She's fantastic in this series. Anyway, I love this show so much. It it was enough to eclipse the other shows I previously mes- mentioned on this list. Uh, it, it's a film. It, it's a sh- uh, show that is really good throughout its entire run, and it sticks the landing in a very satisfying way. Uh, I love it. This is us from two, 2016 available on Hulu. Great pick. Not Even, for me, I was but say, for you. Someday, honey. <laughs> no, someday. absolutely freaking not. That's that's definitely torture sadness. No thanks. It's not torture sadness. It is for I'm me. Telling you, it you is for me. I've seen it. I've seen the first episode. I'm good. I'm good to go. All right. My next one. Oh, man, I just I keep hoping that it's not technically finished. This is one of this is my first BBC one that I'm mentioning. Huh. This uh, started in 2010. Oh, really? The last one is in 20. I mean, the most recent one is 2017, and all the fans it's a lot of are seasons. basically begging. It's not. Are basically begging and pleading. Please, can you take a break from Marvel and just quickly come <laughs> wrap up the show, please, for the love of God. I just, it would be so great if you could just, even if it's just like a, a like a, a TV uh-huh. movie, you know, like just an hour and a half there. But most of the episodes are hour and a half episodes. Jesus. So, full on movie. And then like you Columbo. Get, and then you get like four episodes per season and there's like, there's maybe like five episodes. I don't know. I mean, huh. I mean, sorry, five seasons. Oh, Okay. <laughs> It stars. So, who are these Marvel people? Who is what is this show? This show is Sherlock, mm. and uh, the Marvel people that we would like to borrow, please, temporarily, are playing Sherlock Holmes, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Doctor John Watson, Martin Freeman. Mm. So, if we just could sneak them away for just a little bit, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I 
absolutely fucking love this show. I love how they interpret the Sherlock Holmes stories, how they sort of modernize it. I just, I just love it. I, I don't think I need to say a lot because it's Sherlock, you know? A lot of people know what it is. There's mysteries, and the mysteries are being solved, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and it's not necessarily adapting the books, right? I think it is. Like, I haven't read the books. Uh-huh. I tried reading the books, and then they killed a dog. So I'm like, you know what? I'm good. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mark Gatiss is Mycroft, Sherlock's brother. Huh. And, you know, Mary Watson is Amanda Abington, which you might know about if you watch uh, British TV. There's a lot of other actors that come and go in this in this show, if you're aware of uh, BBC and that stuff. Was it a satisfying end? I mean, no, because it just felt like we needed one more season or one more episode. Yeah, I was going to say, if it was satisfying, you wouldn't be chomping at the bit to get more. (laughs) But if you if you look at it and you're like, well, if it did have to end, it's it's not actually that bad mm. the way they ended it. And I'm not going to say anything at all uh-huh. about that. I think my favorite episode that I will share, because it's not really a spoiler, is the Christmas episode. I think, if I remember correctly, the way that we get to it is Sherlock hits his head or something, and so he's dreaming. And in this dream were taken back to Sherlock Holmes times in London and we get to see Sherlock how it's usually adapted but mm. with great camera work etc now mm. so that's a really fun episode and I love how Benedict Cumberbatch plays Sherlock I think it's fantastic oh very cool my sixth favorite i can't believe we're only halfway through this list but we love these shows so much we talk we have a lot to say about them my sixth favorite is my only streaming exclusive show i believe oh i wonder what it's gonna be it is from 2017 amazon primes the marvelous mrs mazel i see (laughs) created by amy sherman paladino who created another show called Gilmore Girls, which did not make my list that I really, really liked, but I've never finished Gilmore Girls. I think it was like seven or eight seasons of that. I'm on season five. I haven't watched it in the better part of 10 years. So I'm I'm horribly behind on that one. So it didn't quite make my list, even though I do love that show. But uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, much more concise. I, I, I feel like the seasons in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel are like 10 episodes or something per season or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not very long. Yeah, it's like less than 10 episodes per season. But this is the show that is also an ensemble, even though it kind of has a lead, as in Ms. Maisel, played by Rachel Brosnahan. It's about a woman in late 50s, early 60s, whose husband cheats on her, and she decides she basically realizes that she's got a talent for stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And this is a time when women did not do stand-up comedy. And she she becomes like this incendiary 
underground comic, mm-hmm. basically. And it's it's about her doing pursuing this passion of hers in a time when women didn't, were not allowed to really pursue their passions unless they were for womanly things, right? Of the time, womanly things. Absolutely. Let's Thank you. Make that clear. Thank you. Mm. Um, but it stars Alex Borstein, who plays Ray Midge's BFF and manager, Susie, Susie Meyerson. I love her so much. She is fantastic. She is such an extraordinary talent. Marin Hinkle from Once and Again is in this show <laughs> as Midge's mom, the very uptight Rose. You got Tony Shaloub. God, I love that man. Yeah. Monk didn't make my list. Oh, my God. I was wondering if we were going to hear about Monk. <laughs> wow. Okay. You, She's a huge fan of Monk. She used to watch the show all the time when and working in the kitchen. He plays Abe, who is Midge's father. He is hilarious. You have Kevin Pollock in it as, how do I say this? Her ex-husband's father. So her ex-father-in-law. Her ex-father-in-law. Yeah. There you go. And Carolyn Aaron, who is a handful as her ex-mother-in-law. A lot of other people come into the show, but it's no, most notably Jane Lynch. But it's a, it's a great, great series. <laughs> it's nice to see Jane Lynch like just come and go out of shows. Yeah, but her character's frustrating. Man. Uh, Luke Kirby plays one of the only real-life characters in the show, Lenny Bruce. He, he's a fantastic presence in the series. Anyway, this is a show that, like, ne- I don't think there's a single episode that dis- disappointed me. Like, no. there's, the, sh- the writing is incredibly sharp, and and the, the chemistry and the delivery, it's one of those quick, fast-talking shows yeah. where there's so much to memorize, and Rachel Brosnahan has, has talked about how she just, she has someone following her around, and she's just constantly going over the lines multiple times. Uh, to, in order to be able to get that all down. And, and she's amazing and I think underrated. And so it's a show that I absolutely love. It's it's the only streaming exclusive series to make it on my list. It is The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel from 2017 on Amazon Prime. That's a really fantastic show. My next one is from... 1996 to 2001. I quote this with my family a lot. Uh, it is Third Rock from the Sun mm. with John Lithgow, one of my favorite roles he has. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as like a teen. Yep. Uh, we've got Jane Curtin, French Stewart, Kristen Johnson. Oh, my gosh. Love her in it. Uh, Wayne Knight. That's oh, a lot yeah. of fun as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. David DeLuise is in there. there. There's a lot of people in this huh. show. And, of course, it was such a great show that there's a lot of visiting. Uh, performers so uh this is a show about four aliens that come to earth and uh become a human family and try to basically study earth and they have to report back to their their person their alien uh whoever's their manager whatever i forget what they call it but yeah i know what you mean the big head or something yeah that's right yeah um, it's a really freaking funny show. Uh, there's even episodes that sort of are quirky in that uh, Kristen Johnson will go on a date with Dwayne Knight and it turns into this black and white Hollywood with feather boas and a shooting happens and it's just so bizarre. Huh. 
I think my favorite episode is when John Lithgow, I think it's his girlfriend at the time, Dr. Mary Albright, played by Jane Curtin, is helping him with taxes. And he hasn't done taxes in, I guess, I mean, technically for aliens, I guess two years, which is a lot for, you know, I'm sure IRS will come after you. And so she's trying to help him with his taxes. And it turns out he owes a bunch of money. And she tells him how much. And he shouts, what? You bitch. (laughs) I mean, who can't relate? to that <laughs> like when you're getting told that you owe and it's an enormous amount it's always shocking I don't know how people prepare for like sure you can talk about oh we save for taxes save for tax like no one saves for taxes like especially people who are like living penny to penny so I just I love that episode I had no I, I loved it before I could relate to taxes and now I relate to it even more knowing what that process is like uh, that is third rock from the sun yeah, John Lithgow is fantastic in that show. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I was aware oh. of Joseph Gordon-Levitt before that show because I'd seen him in a couple movies as a kid in the early 90s. And so a lot mm-hmm. of people were like, oh, that was the show that gave him a start. But really, like, it wasn't. <laughs> and, well, but he was he's great in it, too. And I forgot to mention what's funny is these aliens are put into different human bodies that aren't necessarily matching who they are like john lithgow i mean i'm sorry uh joseph gordon levitt is actually the oldest co-worker between the four of them and he got stuck in like a 14 year old body so he has to go through puberty and hormones and acne and all that jazz and Kristen johnson like i think they have gender in their alien race and kristen johnson's a male alien in a female body and like a a military member so right (laughs) like a general or something yeah something really high up and i I don't remember what uh, john lithgow and french stewart's i don't know i think john lithgow is supposed to be like the youngest and he's in the oldest body so i I think that's really funny yeah it's been a long time since i've seen that and they really adapt to their roles like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's the teen. He can't manage the family. It has to be John Lithgow. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, what's your next one? My fifth favorite TV show. This was this was when we're really getting into like, okay, this, this is hard. Because now I'm saying these are my five favorite TV shows. And to a certain extent, it, it could be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Mm-hmm. But this is uh, my fifth favorite is a sitcom, also an ensemble, ostensibly with a lead. It's from 1989. It is Seinfeld, available on Netflix. I knew that was going to make your list. This is one of the first shows on my list where it's like, yeah, everything but that season is great. Like, <laughs> well, I guess like Parks and Rec was that too. Uh, so it's been a while on my list since I've had a show like this. But like for me, like every every season except season six is is pretty great even the the very shaggy and rough first season has some memorable episodes in it for all it's like trying to figure its shit out Mm -hmm. that season one is you know it still has some memorable stuff whereas i don't think season six has anything memorable so it's the only season i don't own Mm -hmm. from this series but this is like 
this is an iconic series. It's a legendary series. You mentioned Friends. I feel like there's like a, a sitcom hierarchy if there was, as particularly of the 90s. And I think it's like Seinfeld, then Friends. And, and especially with NBC. Yeah. My God. They, they literally built nights around these TV shows, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of their scheduling. So anyway, Seinfeld, it's the show about nothing. It like it, it was it was as episodic as you could possibly get. Every episode was something different and a, a, a little wacky and crazy. You have Jerry Seinfeld, Julia Louis Dreyfus, uh, Jason Alexander, Michael Richards. That's the principal cast. Those four. Michael Richards plays Jerry's neighbor. Jason mm. Alexander plays Jerry's best friend. Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays uh, a close friend of Jerry's who is also a former lover. And they're they're like this really great gang. Yeah. And the thing is, they never wanted to have like the hug it out type show. Like they were very <laughs> deliberate about that. Mm-hmm. So as a result, like people like George Costanza played by Jason Alexander is are often despicable. You know, it's quite fascinating to watch, and they're but they're hilariously so, right? You still enjoy watching them get themselves in trouble or or, or dig a hole for themselves. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of moments that are quotable. There are a lot of moments that are just absolutely unforgettable. Some of the best TV sitcoms uh, episodes in the history of sitcom episodes are what's in the show. What's your favorite episode of What's no, the Line? No, no, no. I can't do that. But, like, I know, like, <laughs> highlights include, like, the Soup Nazi. Yeah. No Soup for You. That's a good one. Yes. There's an episode when George, who works for the New York Yankees, eventually, he gets caught for, like, some sort of sexual misconduct or whatever it was in the office and he's like, is that wrong? Should I not have done that? Because yeah. I got to say, I got to plead ignorance here. You know, and it's. <laughs> wow. It's it's like. My stomach is churning right now. Before like, he says that. that, you see the wheels turn in his head. Like, which way do I go with this? And he mm. chooses this direction. Mm. <laughs> I see. You know, there's like, oh God, Michael Richards as uh, Kramer. He's golfing on the beach. I like him. And there's this big story that George tells about this whale that's in trouble, you know, and it leads to the punchline of George holding a golf ball. There's, of course, the the contest, which is like considered one of the cream of the crop of sitcom history. Anyway, I could go on, honey. That's the thing. There's nine seasons, I think, and like eight of them have like easily six to 12 episodes that are that are excellent or memorable Mm -hmm. so that's seinfeld it's my fifth favorite tv show of all time in 1989 it's on netflix okay my next one is hbo and uh this was one where i was like oh i watched one episode to just remind myself and then i couldn't stop watching oh and so now i'm on episode eight i think of season one this is your fourth favorite and yeah Okay, so it's True Blood. Wow. Telepathic waitress Suki Stackhouse encounters a strange new supernatural world when she meets the mysterious Bill Compton, the first vampire she comes across. 
a southern Louisiana gentleman and vampire. This, huh. I I still have to get through the other seasons again, but the first season is pretty fucking solid. And if I remember correctly, season two was pretty solid too. I think that season four was not great. I can't remember. I have to get there again. But man, I remember laughing so hard in this show, even though it's like horrifying at times. I love the cast. Uh, this has got... Anna Paquin, Stephen Moyer, which I believe they got married. Oh, and, and had in kids, real life, really? Oh, in okay. real life, I could be wrong. Sam Trammell, Ryan Quentin is the brother. Uh, let's see here. Nelson Eli is amazing. Ellis. Oh, I'm sorry. Nelson Ellis is amazing in this show. I absolutely love him. We've got Deborah. Uh, Anne Wool, which I think is in a DC show. No, she's in Daredevil, Daredevil. on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, so this famously. was before that. Okay, and I'm trying to find the oh Alexander Skarsgård, Kristen Bauer. We saw in at Comic Con once. Yes, that was a lot of fun. I think that's when she was in season four or five. Okay, uh, and then I'm just trying to find Joe Manganiello, or how do you say his name? Joe Man Manganiello. Oh, yeah, he's fucking sexy and amazing. Yeah. Uh, he comes over, I think, in season three. That's a lot of fun. And then, ah, Retina Wesley is one of my favorite characters. And right now, I believe she's in Queen Sugar. So I'd like to check that out to get more huh. more Retina. But I, my favorite characters are definitely Sookie Stackhouse, Tara, and Lafayette. And... This is adapted from books by, oh, Alan Ball, like, helped create it. But, like, it's adapted by some books, which I can't recall right, right now. Right, And I just, I love the world building with this. This is, the idea is, oh, vampires, we just perfected a synthetic blood. And it's enough nutrition for vampires. So they technically don't have to eat humans anymore or you don't have to be afraid of them anymore because they're still going to eat humans. Uh, well, drink blood. And so the idea is like, oh, the this this like marginalized uh, group of people can come out and live in the open. And it's very interesting because in the background, you're sort of seeing these different elements that are sort of mimicking things that were happening at the time, like a lot of gay rights and things like that. Uh, I'm sure there were other things that that were reflecting the time in America, but after living in America for a while now, I kind of see them differently. So yeah, I could keep going on, but I won't because uh, we've still got two more to go. I think I really love this show. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. I, there's a lot of funny elements. There's a lot of characters that I just adore and I like the character arcs of most of them. And I'm looking forward to finishing the show again. I'm not surprised that it's on your list. I'm very surprised that it's in your top six. Because it's not a show that you that comes up a lot from you. Mm-hmm. And it's not a show I see you watch very often. It's one that I just appreciate a lot. And mm-hmm. I watched it over and over again when it first came out. And I think I overdid it. Mm, okay. And now that a few years have passed, I'm like, oh my god, I love this shit. Okay, so, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'm up to right now is True Blood on HBO. Alright, my fourth favorite TV show. Again, I think this was an NBC sh- sh- series. I-, I really grew up on NBC, man. <laughs> what can I say? I craved HBO. <laughs> 
it's a 2006 show, and again, a relationship drama. Mm-hmm. If it's not sitcoms, it's relationship dramas. That's that's catnip for me, apparently. This is Friday Night Lights. Yay! Available on Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime, apparently. This is based on the movie from, I want to say, 2004 that uh, starred Billy Bob Thornton, which I haven't seen in forever. Itself was based on a book, which was actually uh, based on some guy's experiences, I think, in a small town football community in Texas. The community here is a fictional town called Dillon, but it it seems to really reflect like what Texas is like, especially small town Texas. It's all about football. The community comes together for football. <laughs> football can be your way out of town. Yeah, it could be a a lot for a lot of people, and this is again an ensemble piece. Apparently, I I did not even realize this was a consistent through line for me. But this is a show where, like, there's characters that you will have feelings about in the first two, three episodes. Yeah. And as the show evolves, your feelings for those characters will evolve over time. It stars Kyle Chandler, Connie Britton, Zach Gilford. Best movie, like, TV show parents ever. Amy Teagarden, Taylor Kitsch, Brad Leland, Jesse Plemons, Derek Jesse. Phillips, Adrian Palicki, Mika Kelly, whew, Luann Stevens, uh, Scott Porter, Gaius Charles. Uh, it seems like I'm I'm going on, but like seriously, there's this many people that if you don't mention, you feel like you're missing out on someone or you're missing someone, you know? And like, what's really great is first of all, like there's, there's a naturalism that occurs in the, the style of acting here and Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton, as Shannon was just saying, are, they have such great charisma Mm. as the, uh, the, the anchor of the show, the, the husband and wife, Eric and Tammy Taylor, the Taylors. Eric is someone who accepts a position as a as a football coach in this this high school and he has to navigate the boosters, he has to navigate parents, he has to navigate the students. <laughs> and this is a show that's not at all really about football and it's it's about like as as he kind of demonstrates football is more than a game. And the show is more than a football show. And it's yeah. about life lessons, about becoming a better person, it's becoming evolving as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. And it's about the people, ultimately. Jesse Plemons was probably one of the surpri- big surprising breakouts of all of the cast members here. He's had one of the best careers post-Friday Night Lights. Uh, being in such things as Game Night and the Fargo TV series and so many other things. Uh, Adrian Palicki, I think, is highly underrated. He's been nominated. Oscar nominations. Yeah. Adrian Palicki, I think, is highly underrated as Tyra Collette mm-hmm. in this one. Mm-hmm. My absolute favorite characters. Taylor Kitsch. Dude, the dude just like exudes charisma. He's fantastic as Tim Riggins. It is 
a crime that he he never really became a movie star despite trying a handful of times because he is he is great absolutely great and there's just so many great people in this series and i think this is also a a a show where like yeah everything about that season kind of thing and like where like season two is kind of the roughest well i think there was the writer's strike and that's something that we didn't talk about in the history of tv shows for us is when there was the writer's strikes shows you know they got suffered yeah they got they got there yeah you know they achieved their purpose there and that was definitely the case with season two. And, and there was also like a major story arc that occurred in season two that just kind of quietly went away. Probably because of the writer's strike. It's like, you know what? We're just going to leave that alone. <laughs> also, I think fan reaction too. It's it's kind of like this. Well, this, That's isn't, fair. Yeah. this isn't enjoyable to get through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but overall, the show is great. Uh, I absolutely love it. And when it ends, it always it's always really sad when it ends. Yeah. But it ends very satisfyingly. So that's Friday Night Lights. If you haven't caught up with this show, boy, you have a lot of opportunities. It's on Hulu, Netflix, and Prime. It's my fourth favorite TV show. Excellent pick. Uh, I also enjoy that show. It's just not my ultimate favorite. My favorite third show is Bones. Mm. This was 2005 to to 2017. I remember when this show came out, I was like 16 when I first saw it. And uh, there were also like a, an abundance of CSI shows at the time too. And so this was a little different. It was more relationship based. It was less saturated in color. Uh, it was it was more scientific, the approach. It was less bullshit, hmm. more accuracy. Uh, it was also based on some CSI books. CSI bullshit. By, well, it can be. <laughs> You know, my, my cousins used to joke like, oh, they find sperm everywhere and it's always sperm's fault. And I'm like, well, if you leave your shit lying around. Uh, the creator is Hart Hansen and it's based on books by Kathy Rechts. I really enjoy it. I never got through the books because that's just. You Did know, you try? I tried. Oh, OK. Yeah, I tried. I'm surprised. Uh, it did not work out for me. OK. So they keep it fairly technical, but they also keep it light and airy and, and fun at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have different members in their team. Yeah, who stars so, in the show? Yeah, sorry. Wasn't this also a Fox show? Uh, yeah. We've got Emily Deschanel as Temperance Brennan. So she is the anthropologist and like the the uh, person who can look at the doctor that can look at a bone and say exactly what happened. Like, oh, mm-hmm. they broke their bone at age three and it wasn't fixed right, you know, or whatever. She can identify a lot of issues just by looking at the bones. David Borens as the detective uh Seely booth michaela conlon uh angela montenegro so she's the artist she does renderings of the skulls mm. and then tj thine who i don't get to see very often like at all who's jack hodgins and so he's like the bug guy then we've got uh tamara taylor as camille who runs the lab she's their boss and then we've got uh john francis daly as the psychologist who comes in and you know helps with some counseling and and stuff like that and then because the show was around for so long and because they had visiting interns there's lots of reoccurring faces Mm. one of my favorite uh side characters is patricia belcher michael grant terry there's a funny moment where one of the rotating interns is joel david moore who i believe is in avatar 
Unless oh. I'm thinking of someone else. But okay. one of the interns is in Avatar and then they get meta because they go and camp out in line for Avatar tickets and he's in Avatar. So it's it, it gets a little fun here and there. Yeah, I really love this show. It had a satisfying end. Mm. And it was around for a very long time. It survived the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. It, I think writer's strike hit them at season three. And, and they did okay, all things considered. I think... My favorite episode is when Brennan accidentally gets high from cocaine or something because it was in the walls and she broke the wall and she breathed it in. And so she gets very like, like agitated as opposed to very logical and grounded. So it's, it's a lot of fun when they do that to the characters and, uh, you know, characters, they're dealing with a lot of bad people. Sometimes there's a bad guy, a bad person for each season, and sometimes it stretches longer. And uh, so rescues are needed. And there's one or two episodes where the rescue is just really moving and makes me cry. And I love it. Hmm. So that is... That's Bones. And you it, it just really depends. Uh, for a long time it was on Prime. Now it's on Hulu. All right. So my third favorite series is another one where it's like for the most part it's like all of it except for that season and it's also an ensemble series it's actually one of our few maybe even only overlaps so far in our list i actually half expected our list to have no overlap but uh, there is there is some overlap, and uh, this is one of them. It is Sci-Fi Channel's mm-hmm. remake of Battlestar Galactica. Awesome. Now, Shannon, you said it started in 2004. Technically, it actually started in 2003 because the pilot episode, which was like a three-hour quasi miniseries, actually started in 2003. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it started in 2004. You can't watch the show if you haven't seen that 2003 pilot episode. Because if you start in, in the 2004 episode called 33, like it drops you right in the middle of what's going on. Okay. You know? And so that's, that's, that's one thing I always urge people who are discovering this show by Glenn A. Larson and Ronald D. Moore is make sure you watch the that three-hour first episode from 2003. This show was, when it was announced, when it was coming, it was like one of those early examples of the internet freaking out because, it, A, it was a remake of a TV show that a lot of people grew up with and loved Battlestar Galactica from, I think, 1978, maybe 79. Didn't last very long, that show. Apparently only two seasons. Mm -hmm. And this show was gender-bending one of the main characters, Starbuck, uh, played originally by Dirk Benedict. Well, this show, like, shows that, like, it doesn't doesn't fucking matter sometimes, you know? And and, because Katie Sackhoff is extraordinary as Captain Kara Starbuck Thrace mm-hmm. in this series. But everybody is pretty extraordinary in this show. Edward James almost 
Mary McDonald, Jamie Bamber, uh, Grace Park, Trisha Helfer, Michael Hogan, Aaron Douglas, Candace McClure, uh, uh, Tom Alpinikett, so many people in this huge ensemble that it's it you mentioned what it's about but man like it it really develops and builds and it attacks this situation of like humanity being absolutely assaulted and there being like maybe less than 50,000 of us alive yeah. surviving and what does that look like and it looks at it from a political angle it looks at it from a military angle it looks at it from a religious angle uh, and and a humanitarian angle all these different angles it attacks the the situation from well and it's also interesting because at some point in the show you get to see how two people deal with a situation two two leaders what happens if you had a support structure and what happens if you didn't now that's and- a reference to season two which i had said earlier yeah this entire show except for that season and for me (laughs) season two is that season where it's the hardest to get through because one so many things happen in season two Mm. and like for me like season two is like yeah all these things trying to get us to season three and like once you get to season three then like it's a roller coaster ride to the end of the show and and part of that is like there are these humanoid Cylons, this new version of Cylons, and they look like us, and they could be any of us. And so the question becomes who, which characters are actually Cylons, right? Yeah. And there's 12 different models. And so, like, that's another big thing that I, I urge you if you haven't seen this show and you're interested at all, do not research it at all because the reveals and the, the slow peeling of the layers is one of the enjoyments of the, of the whole thing because you get to know certain characters and you care about them. And then you learn who the final five are and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's some, some of the most extraordinary revelations, mind blowing like episodes happen, especially in season three. I love season three so much, how it starts, how it ends. Oh my gosh. When are we getting there? <laughs> oh, not, not, not fast Funny. enough. That's actually, for sure. I'm starting to realize I, I maybe needed to shift Battlestar a little higher, but you know, really? you've got it higher, high, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I absolutely love this series. Battlestar Galactica. Oh, it is, is absolutely. And, and I can even mark time in the history of TV as before Battlestar and after Battlestar. It aired at the same time as Lost. These were two high production mm-hmm. shows that were uh, serialized TV. And it's because of these two shows that we're able to have like a Game of Thrones and, yeah. and TV shows like Stranger Things and everything that we have now. And a lot of people who are growing up into their 20s now are probably take for granted. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, so like if you go back to the 80s and even the early 90s, TV looked so different mm-hmm. than after shows like Battlestar Galactica. So mm-hmm. it's my third favorite TV show of all time. Excellent. My second favorite of all time apparently, uh, is from 1975 to 1979. It is a British show. It is Faulty Towers. Oh! Now, I just bought the collection. You did? Because I I keep buying it for my dad when he's over, like, because he loses it or something. Um, And so I just purchased it. So I'm like, yeah, I get to binge on that later this week. 
Uh, hotel owner Basil Fawlty's incompetence, short fuse, and arrogance from a combination that ensures uh, ins- ensues accidents and troubles are never far away. Insurance, sorry. And I just, I love John Cleese as Basil Fawlty so much. Uh, this was my first exposure to John Cleese. So this is what I'm attached to with him. Whereas a lot of other people are like, oh, Monty Python. I'm like, that's oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice for you. He's brilliant Whatever. in Monty Python. That's, he's brilliant in everything. <laughs> okay. But I especially love him in this one. And it's just, it's so relatable in my family too, because he has a manager. My dad is a manager. There, there's a lot that goes on when you're dealing with you know, different employees and different issues and guests and versus clients. And it's just, it's so much fun. Uh, there's a lot of lines that we quote to each other. I remember, I think I've spoken about this before, but I'll just go again real quick. I had a hard time connecting with my parents when I was younger. And when my dad and I watched the episode with Duck with Orange, Duck with cherry duck surprise and what happens if you don't like duck well then you're rather stuck and it doesn't get delivered quite like that but those are the lines and I remember we went to a restaurant and I was like five or six and I was like oh you know no, no like it wasn't very kid friendly so I didn't want to go but there I was and just had to suffer through it and then my, I heard my parents reading the menu and one of the things my dad read was duck and immediately I was sitting on the floor and I, I got up and I was like, duck. And then <laughs> my dad, like him and I did the lines mm. from that episode. And it was just such a joyous wake up my brain moment mm-hmm. in my early childhood. And I was like, oh, I can connect with my dad through TV. This is great. Uh, so it has a, a lot of sentimental value to me. It's very funny. I just, I think it's great. Awesome. And a show that maybe you can show me because I've never actually seen oh, it. Well, then we're binging next week. <laughs> My second favorite TV show has a lot of emotional attachment for me. Oh, cool. Which oh. is not what you would necessarily think of when you think of this show. Mm-hmm. It is from 1994. It is the only show on HBO Max on my list, which is very odd. It is Friends. Yay. The only other overlap we have, I think, on our list. Now, this show came out when I was entering high school, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And this show is about a group of friends. And so uh, this is the show that I bonded with my high school friends over and we watched a lot and we talked about a lot and we rode the roller coaster of during the first six seasons especially as we went through high school and and you know went into college and you know it was like oh this is what it it could be like with my ensemble of friends when we grow Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of a, a, a attachment to particular period of time for me with this show and so when i didn't have those friends anymore much later as an adult it was actually really hard for me to watch and enjoy this show 
because it had been married so much with people mm. I knew while watching it, you know, growing up with it. And when people you loved. Right. And, you know, I'm starting to evolve and, and be able to watch it now with uh, different feelings. But the the remarkable thing about the series is it lasted for 10 years. And you got to think a sitcom after 10 years, at some point, it had to get long in the tooth. It had to get bad after a certain point. Right. Mm-hmm. So many years. And I don't think it ever did. And that's that's remarkable. Yeah, I don't think there was even really a dip. Really. Yeah, I don't think there's like a you no. Know, this is not a show where it's like oh, every season except that season. Mm. You know, for me, I think it, it just kept getting better. And then like you realize there's certain relationships that happen. And it's like oh wow, yeah. that started in like season three or four or whatever. And like how they were able to keep that fresh for five or six more seasons. Mm-hmm. is is remarkable now don't get me wrong like there's certain story arcs having to do with ross oh my god that i'm such not... a whiny bitch <laughs> it's not because it's not because of who ross is okay because like you know you could name practically so many episodes of friends as the one where ross tries too hard and because he does <laughs> all the time but sure. like honestly i wasn't a big fan of his girlfriends uh julie and emily and those story arcs, mm-hmm. in hindsight, when I want to go back and watch the show, those aren't the ones I I gravitate too much to, mm-hmm. you know? But I do love the show 100% all the way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of highs and lows. And I, I, you know, it's, it's a show I quote often. You know, the yeah. reasons for this is twofold, you know? <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Friends. Available on HBO Max from 1994 is my second favorite TV show. Oh, did you want to guess my favorite? Oh, I know your favorite. Oh, okay. You, 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 I mean, I know you well enough that like you left it very obvious to me. Oh. It has to be The Closer. It is. Yes, by, it is. With Kira Sedgwick. Yes. Fucking love her. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you were, it is such a favorite of yours that you were bummed that I didn't love it as much as you. Oh, that was so heartbreaking. I forgot that you broke my heart. Like that. <laughs> and now I don't even want to show you anything because I'm like, oh. I just don't want that rejection anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and it's always a show that I'm showing you. Like, always. So When that happens or what? Yeah. Huh. We'll yeah. have to talk more it's about that. It's very rare that I reject a show that you like except for this because is us but... good t- yeah this is us you yeah even... so you can now get over yourself <laughs> don't talk about what it's about okay the closer stars kira sedgwick as deputy police chief brenda johnson um and we used to call our gps brenda lee because that's her full name who runs the priority homicide division at the lipd uh with an, an orthodox style but still legal her innate ability to read people and obtain confessions helps her and her team solve the city's toughest, most sensitive cases. Now, that's the description off of IMDb because I have ADHD and I want to make sure that you get like, you know, one single description there. But I, I love this show. She has this really great team uh, of detectives 
and attendants that work with her and they 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 basically solve everything which because it's a tv show but you know there's one or two cases that get away and and that becomes like a, a through line and it it has a satisfying end i remember when the i got to america and i was two seasons behind and when the final season aired uh as soon as it had the last episode it was available to purchase it was so weird and so i was able to order it and it arrived because amazon's amazing sometimes the next day on the doorstep so that was pretty cool uh there's a lot of uh guest actors uh guest performers in this show and we get to see jk simmons is her boss we have Corey reynolds which i don't think we see him in a lot of anything else we have john tenney who will be in the spin-off of major, called Major Crimes. Which you G, also like. I love that show, and I'm kind of, you know, putting them together in my mind. Uh, G.W. Bailey, which I'm like, I am always keen <laughs> to see G.W. Bailey bitch about how old he is and how he's too old for this shit and uh, the line that he always says, it's always the husband, it's always the husband, it's always the husband or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or whatever. And it's just really, really funny. He's super comical. Philip P. Keen, Tony Dennison, Michael Paul Chan, Raymond Cruz is just fantastic to see him in the first season. And he's just, they always call him when they're on their last straw to kind of deal with people who are being investigated. Like one fun scene is he take, he says, give me your shoe to the suspect and the suspect hands over the shoe and he takes the shoe and he whacks it against his chest and he says you kicked me (laughs) and then he just starts to get really intimidated it's just it's hilarious i love it so much and then you know later mary mcdonald one of my favorite actresses of all time comes on in and she is uh sharon raider who is a oh what is she she's like the know. person that investigates the police force to make sure they're doing what oh, they're supposed in, to be uh, doing. Yeah, in uh, internal... Internal affairs? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I love her. It adds an interesting dynamic because, you know, obviously Kira Sedgwick is basically the only woman in her department for most of the the show. And then Raider comes in and it kind of messes with the dynamic a little bit and it's a lot of fun and... We've got Frances Sternhagen as her mom, uh, which is always fun. And I love seeing her. Uh, It's hard for me to focus my thoughts with this show because I do have a lot of sentimental value attached to it. And if Kira Sedgwick ever came to Comic-Con, I would like freak out. I don't think she'll ever come to Comic-Con, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I don't think she has a reason to. Maybe they'll pick her up for Marvel or something. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Bacon got picked up for a little thing, so you never know. Yeah, he doesn't go to Comic-Con either, love. It could change. Things could change. Anyway, that's my favorite. It's my favorite because there's strong female leads when there are female leads. The crimes are interesting. Uh, she always figures it out. She has a great mind. I love when she plays dumb to get the answers she needs. And then she, like, spins 180 back to her smart self what i think that's the only series on your list that was a basic cable series right wasn't yeah, that like tnt a, yeah tnt show yeah uh, and where can people find it now on hbo okay sometimes it moves around though mm. 
And then I highly recommend the spin-off Major Crimes, which is where Sharon Raider, Mary MacDonald's character, is then promoted to that position that Kira Sedgwick had. Oh, so okay. she just moves. She moves on. She doesn't die or anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. Take a stab at my favorite TV show of all time. Is it like Wonder Years? So this is it? list, the is first it? five, the top five shows could be jumbled up. Uh, I really had a hard time saying, yes, this definitively is my favorite. And, and at one point in life, I could have probably said Friends definitely is my yeah. favorite. And, and because of life experiences and stuff, that's that's changed a little bit. I think just a little bit. Yeah. So I, I didn't put it as number one. But I did end up putting the Wonder Years as my number one. I, I think you're, you're I right. I got it. I'm so excited. But man, is it hard for me to claim definitively like this is my absolute favorite. It's mm. it's definitely one of them. It's definitely one of them. I grew up with this show. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly watching in a separate room while eating dinner this show on syndication. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly watching the final episode and crying during the final episode. Oh, man. When it aired. First of all, it's from 1988. We're not talking about the remake. Uh, I don't even know if that's successful at all. We're talking about the 1988 original. It's Mm -hmm. available on Hulu. This is uh, Fred Savage, who is now a TV director. He directed many episodes of Modern Family. He appeared in Modern Family. He's done a a lot of things as an adult. He stars initially as a 12-year-old in the late 60s dealing with, like, middle school issues. Mm. Meanwhile, like, the world is dealing with, like, big issues, right? Like, is Vietnam an issue? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, All sorts of things. Uh, It's a very tumultuous time, but it, like, it parallels that tumultuous time with the tumultuousness of hitting puberty and, and going into middle school and stuff. And it follows Kevin through his whole adolescence, uh, basically. And it's it's beautiful how it does that, how you'll see on the TV in the background, like maybe the moon landing. And he's like really preoccupied with whether or not he's going to get a phone call from a girl or something like that. You know, mm, like mm. that sort That's of thing. Super interesting. Right. Because that is what it's like growing up. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. I it was beautifully crafted, wonderfully done. The cast, again, an ensemble cast, ostensibly <laughs> with the lead, uh, but it includes Fred Savage, Dan Loria as his father, Jack, who's, oh, man, he's so great. Allie Mills, Jason Hervey, Olivia Dubow, Josh Saviano as his best friend, Paul, Danica McKellar as his girlfriend, off and on, Winnie Cooper, Daniel Stern narrated Daniel Stern for a lot of people Mm, is best remembered for home alone. He's done a lot of other things, uh, but this is one of his best things he's done. He plays an adult Kevin looking back and kind of narrating all these episodes. Yeah. Kind of like stand by me. Yeah, sort of. So it, it takes place in 1968. It runs till 1973 the the show basically you're looking at like a 20 year parallel where it aired 20 years after the the time it takes place which is kind of crazy because like a a comparison would be like 
you know, a show starting to take place in like 20 or 2003 and, and running until like 2008 or whatever, you know, Mm. it's like, well, that's, that's freaking trippy and weird. Um, (laughs) But I also think it wouldn't work. I haven't seen the remake, but I don't think it would necessarily have the same impact, but this show was, was fantastic. My box set DVD, it, it took over a decade of, like, I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking like till 2014 mm-hmm. for it to be printed on DVD. The reason for that is because the series uses a lot of music from the time that it's being depicted and trying to parse out the music rights, even so much as its main theme, which is Joe Cocker's cover of With a Little Help of My Friends, yeah, written by the Beatles was I guess like a huge headache. And so like it actually hit streaming before it was actually published on DVD. But when it hit streaming, it had like some music replacements, including the theme was like re-recorded oh, by somebody else, right? So yeah. it's it, it's an uh, it was on Netflix and Amazon Prime at that time and then it hit um DVD finally in 2014 and I think my two of my favorite uh, DVDs are my Freaks and Geeks mm. High School Yearbook Edition, which mm-hmm. is stuffed with features, and my Wonder Years DVD quote unquote box set, which is actually a locker with notebooks. That's a really cool one. Yeah. Inside, uh, and it is stuffed with hours and hours of features per season. So uh, it's a it's a great one. I've always loved it. It's nostalgic, but it's also like universal and timeless. Mm-hmm. It's something that anyone, like if you watch it while you're 12 or 13 or, or so, you can understand and relate to the same issues no matter no matter the fact that it takes place in the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah, it's a, it's a great series. lasted for six seasons. It is available on Hulu. I don't know if it has the music issue resolved on the hulu copy or not Mm, but i i definitely know that they did eventually resolve that issue it's just a matter of whether or not that was translated onto the uh what you see on hulu so Mm. that's my favorite tv show of all time shanna what are some shows that did not make your list because surely surely there were some that just missed it right yeah what were what were those for you Let's see here. So I've got Being Human, a sci-fi show. Huh. Uh, that was a pretty cool one. Uh, if you're into vampires, werewolves, and all of the uh, ghosts all w- living together, that's kind of what happens here. A vampire, werewolf, and ghost are roommates. Huh. And it has a satisfying end. So okay. it just it just squeaked out. Madame Secretary, brilliant show, really great, helps you understand politics, okay. and has a satisfying end. Killing Eve. I can't believe Killing Eve wasn't on your list. You love that show. I do love that show. Uh, It did not have a satisfying end. So it was very upsetting. Uh, This is a, it's it's a really good show though. Otherwise, you know, it's just the last, the last episode. The last season is pretty satisfying. It's just the last few minutes of the last episode. I also can't believe that Handmaid's Tale is not on your list. That is a rough show to get through. It's a rough show. It's brilliantly done. It's fantastic. It's current. It's, it's got elements that are happening around the world somewhere at some time. 
some things you might witness your friends are going through. Uh. It's a brilliant show. I watched the first episode with uh, our son the other night and I was reminded like, this is such a good show. Brilliant performances too. Uh, Motherland of Salem, satisfying witch show. What would happen if the witches were witches? What, what would happen if women were witches during the burning of Salem? Uh, Salem witch hunt, sorry. Yeah. And how would that change the trajectory? And okay. that had a satisfying end. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, Peacemaker, it's a new one and it's fun, but like, you know, it's just one season right now. Bob Hart's Abishola, I spoke about it last weekend. The Witcher is fantastic. We'll see what the next season brings because I'm, I'm really scared that it's not going to be good or right. I'm, I'm scared. You know, when you get told that Henry Cavill's being recast, yeah. not not like, oh, this is his last season. Recast. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. upsetting news. Major Crimes, of course. Abbott Elementary is new. Big Bang oh, Theory. I'm surprised Abbott Elementary didn't make your list. Well, you love that it's show. It's new. It's a fantastic show. Veep, Six Feet Under, an HBO one. Surprised about Six Feet Under mm-hmm. also. Blackish is fantastic. I probably should have had that on the list. Scandal. Uh, Scandal. Scandal is shocking. I have to. I, I don't remember if I was satisfied at the end. I don't remember. Man. I love it. I can't I love believe it. you had. Oh, that that documentary at number 12 and not Scandal on Sure. There. Reservation Dogs. It's mm. a fantastic show. It's a Hulu original. The Americans. Oh, yeah. You love that Somewhat show too. satisfying and brilliant performances. Brilliant cast. Monk. Uh, Monk is fantastic. Firefly, wow. Ghost Whisperer, Mad Men, Mr. Bean, and sometimes South Park. South Park's one of those shows where it's like sometimes an episode can be just absolutely mwah, perfect. Mm. And then other times it's like, it just makes you feel things. So it also just depends. Animated. So doesn't qualify for this list for reasons. Sure. I'll explain a little bit later for me. What about you? Yeah. So Star Trek, the next generation was number 12 for a really long time on my list. Uh, just barely fell off because I kind of remembered parks and rec and, and kind of my feelings for parks and rec. Larry Sanders show on HBO probably yeah. would have been my, I mean, it was the closest HBO show to making my list. Cheers. I absolutely love mm-hmm. Cheers. That's comfort TV for me. Grew up with that. Have a little bit of nostalgia. Afraid of binge watching it to kind of, you know, afraid that it would wear off that nostalgia feeling mm-hmm. for hearing that theme in the other room when I was growing up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Golden Girls. Oh, yes, that one. Incredibly clever show, even today, still. So smart. Glow. Yeah, that's a fantastic show. Probably the only Netflix series that actually was a contender for my list. Okay. Uh, Glow was. Loved that show. Prematurely canceled, like a lot of the ones that didn't make my list. Yeah. Game of Thrones. I know that it's it's not popular anymore, but yeah. I do love that show uh, from beginning to end. I, I found it... Uh, brutal uh very difficult but satisfying Actually, i'm there with you i forgot to add that to mine yeah okay yeah a uh, very satisfying series i found quantum leap that's a show that i grew up with mm. i i always loved quantum leap i i remember being very sad at the end of quantum leap Shame. i remember certain things about that series that are really great uh, I remember I had the DVD once it first came out. Found it hard show to binge. I, I think it's very much, there's some shows that are really like 
of its time mm. and, and mm-hmm. it really required it was really like depending on that you have a week kind of apart yeah. from each episode kind of thing there are shows that like you know that's a good point they're not really built to be binged and yeah. and quantum leap was one and that's probably one of the only reasons why it didn't quite make my list the x-files oh i forgot one columba oh columba yeah you do yes i'm that was, i'm really pleased to hear that you love that oh law and order special victims unit okay um, all right, interesting. Uh, the X Files was another one I absolutely loved. Uh, kind of fell off because the la- the later seasons. Well, I do think that they are good. I don't think they hold up to the first four seasons or so. Mm. The West Wing also has the same problem. When we when I showed you the West Wing, man, mm. it, it felt like sometimes running in water. Yeah, because yeah. it took a really. I think you fell off, right? Didn't you fall I, off? I did. That? Yeah. Uh, eventually i was done yeah but man the, the first half of that series is uh excellent solid great mm-hmm. ensemble again er uh you know uh that went way too long uh for me <laughs> i love did the... you finish it no fuck no okay. i love the first four seasons i watched it that was another one 1994 i watched it probably through high school maybe and it's just it just uh it just lasted longer than it should have i i think like once you have the last member of the the original cast leave it should have ended yeah uh, and that be noah wiley in that show parenthood i love but it didn't mm. quite i don't you know it didn't quite make it uh for me and then community i considered but really it's just the yeah. first half of that show That's, yeah with you know, a few episodes here and there it's it's some of the m- most brilliant tv ever created uh incendiary just absolutely uh, remarkable but it's really just the first half the first three seasons uh the rest just don't measure up so yeah. that's why it didn't make my list so those uh, there's about 10 shows there that i took into consideration that almost made my list so but what about you what are your favorite tv shows of all time would anything from the golden age anything from the 70s make anything from the 80s make your list mm. or is it all about the 2010s and the streaming age for you <laughs> Let us know. Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That, Shanna, is finally going to do it. Well, that's for- a wrap. Mm-hmm. Sorry, everyone. I got to go. I got to go to my next, like, four photo sessions. So tell people really quickly okay. where they can All find right, you All right, here's where you can find me. You can find me at Shanna Paxton Photography. Surprise. On Instagram. Not the surprise part. That's not part of the handle. Anyway, uh, you can also find me on Flickchart Spellbinding A. Next time on... Oh, wait. Where can you find me? TheGibsonReview.com. You got me kind of rushing through it. TheGibsonReview.com. I have... uh, I should have... I've been promising this. It should be there by now. My Lynn Shelton article. Read about this uh, filmmaker. Go and check out that lost movie she made. Fantastic. Read about her films. Go Mm -hmm. check out her films. Seek them out. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. The Gibson Review on Facebook or The Gibson 99 on Instagram. Keep tabs on everything on there on social media. Next time on The Movie Lovers is The Weekend Review. Start of a new arc of three episodes in The Movie Lovers. We'll be talking about what we've been watching recently. And uh, I have no idea what that will be, but uh, we'll talk about them. Expect it on Tuesday, April 25th. Then after that, Shanna, shall we review Air or shall we review Tetris? We're reviewing Tetris. I don't know why you're even asking me this question. We're reviewing Tetris. Air is going to be great. I know it's going to be great, but I want to review Tetris. That's my life. It's a little bit of a dead period right now in in April. I know those movies both will have been out for a month by the time our review episode will come out. 
But uh, that's that's kind of what's most interesting that uh, that we want to see. That will be on May second, and then we didn't include animated shows because that's what we're going to talk about in the next film faves list. Our favorite cartoons. That is May 9th, the day before Shanna's birthday. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye, so long, farewell.